This is Cole Zerman, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Farm News Time here on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Conan in studio. We'll have reports from Tyler Donaldson and Whitney Pittman. It is another morning with fog and slippery conditions in the Red River Valley, southeastern North Dakota, and northwestern Minnesota. The Dakotas should see things clear up today, but northwest and west-central Minnesota will still be dealing with patchy fog tonight. The National Weather Service's temps will continue to be above average. Dry conditions are expected through early next week with cooler temperatures on the way for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. It's a wetter-than-average winter for the southern Red River Valley. That, according to Endon Director Daryl Richardson. The southern Red River Valley got so much rain that this winter already is wetter than average. And so no matter what happens going forward, if we get one drop of snow or one drop of, of snow or a flake, it would still uh, be above average. That's not true in the Northern Valley, but in the Southern Valley. My point of segueing that way is to say that one storm does not necessarily make a trend. Richardson remains hopeful that there's some warmth ahead and the new year will melt some of this ice. If not, we may be stuck with it for a while. In the next couple of days, we won't freeze solidly. The thing is, this weekend uh, looks um, pretty cold, especially you know by this past 10 days standards. Uh, but then after that, again, as we get into the new year, I think um, by January 1st, 2nd, we might have a couple more days of warmth. But then after that, it looks like more, probably more seasonal or potentially when getting a little bit below average towards the end of next week or middle of the end of next week. So overall, again, you know, if we can't get rid of the ice here in the next um, few days, it'll probably sadly stick around for a while. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and two other high-ranking Biden administration officials met with the Mexican president yesterday to discuss the increase in migrants crossing the border. Mexico's top priority is to keep the border open for farm and food imports, but it is asking the White House to improve relations with the source of many of the immigrants, Cuba and Venezuela. Last week, the U.S. shut down two rail crossings into Mexico for five days and had border patrol agents concentrate on other areas. That backed up grain exports and rail cars, resulting in complaints from the farm sector. In response to the rebel attacks on cargo shipments on the Red Sea, an international naval force was created to defend the vessels moving through the key transportation route. A dozen countries are cooperating with the United States on this maritime task force. The White House has been unable to bring all of its allies into the effort. Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Spain, Italy, among the many countries refusing to be part of it. High-ranking Indian official has said his government is worried that any alliance with the United States could make it more of a target. To avoid militant attacks on the Red Sea, major commercial shipping companies have rerouted traffic around the Horn of Africa or docked ships in safe locations. Specialty Soya and Grains Alliance Chair Bob Zinner, who's also a partner in SB&B Foods at Castleton, North Dakota, is closely monitoring the situation. Anytime we get into a situation like what's going on in the Red Sea that affects traffic to the Suez, uh, that, that's, a, that's a big deal for, for companies that, that are shipping east. Significantly changes their, their transit time, 
more congestion, more interruptions. Most of the food-grade soybeans and identity-preserved grains coming out of this region are exported typically through western ports. However, the impact will likely be seen worldwide. When you interrupt those trade flows and those schedules, it is going to have a domino or an indirect effect on schedules worldwide. Personally, for us, we've not seen much impact yet. Not sure we will, but uh, I suspect there'll be some impact. The impact I'm, I'm, I'm talking about is on the schedules, on the frequency of, of shipments, but as also we talked, rate, freight rates are, are going up a little bit. Carriers need to try and recoup some of their costs that they've incurred because of these interruption, interruptions. And con- the Midwest generally exports more products than it imports. As a result, Sinner said the supply of containers is a chronic problem in the region. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. California's Proposition 12 and Massachusetts Question 3 will both go into effect January 1st, impacting the pork industry. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. National Pork Producers Council President-elect Lori Stevermer of Easton, Minnesota, says until now, pork that had already been processed was still able to be sold in California. That changes in 2024. Now, January 1st, all that pork needs to be Prop 12 compliant, which needs to be needs to be coming from farms that have been audited and certified as Prop 12 compliant. Uh, question three is from Massachusetts is also into effect. Uh, similar type of rules as uh, California's Prop 12, but uh, a little bit different in that question three also affects pork that is shipped through uh, the state of Massachusetts. So it's a transshipment rule that's in place there. So even pork that goes to other states like Maine or Vermont would be affected by question three. There are still a lot of questions about the total impact these new rules will have. We are getting some grocery scanner data and just anecdotally some you know comments from others in California that pork prices are increasing and it looks like the supply is tight on some products. So one of the concerns that we have that Prop 12 would drive up the cost of, of pork and also make it less available. So very much a concern there. I would say also, you know, a concern from pork producers is the challenging economics we faced over the last year. You know, anything that affects our supply of pork or the the demand uh, and has an adverse effect on our market then would would also be something we'd be concerned about. Stevermer says their organization will continue to work for a solution that could be part of the next farm bill. We still are are working on this issue. Uh, One of the concerns that our our farmers have is that uncertainty and that patchwork of regulations. Think if another state had a, a rule that was a little bit different. Certainly that patchwork makes it challenging and even harder for our farmers. So we are working uh, for a legislative solution. Uh, There's been some discussion on a federal preemption, which would be part of the farm bill. Looks like it would be part of the farm bill. We know that the farm bill has been extended, but there's still a lot of conversations going on behind the scenes in terms of what that might look like for both pork and any other industries that might be affected. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. Grain markets pulled off lows yesterday, but traded mostly sideways. 
Walsh Trading Market Analyst Jeff Ware says holiday trading volume is part of that story. A two-way market. The only one that really uh, I saw today that uh, had a clear path uh, was the wheat market, uh, and they went from uh, selling off to a bit of a sideways, but no, not much of a recovery throughout the day. Uh, most of them uh, below their moving averages currently. So uh, we're looking a little sleepy here as we approach the last week of the year. Weather certainly could play a role. The uh, weather could be a little bit of a factor um, to give this any kind of headline towards the last uh, few days of the year. Uh, but as we know, holiday market uh, going into New Year, there's still a lot of people who might be working this week who might not be next week. So uh, light volume expected, uh, and headlines can really make light volume markets fluctuate. The merger between Valley United Co-op and Thompson Farmers Elevator becomes official January 1. Valley United CEO Paul Coppin calls it a win-win for both co-ops. It really is. I mean, I mean, you know, what, what that does is gives us, uh, you know, an option to be uh, part of uh, our shuttle loading system, and, and we're pretty excited about that. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, the two Companies both are very successful, and bringing them together is, is, is really exciting, I guess. So we're looking at, at big things. A lot of work right now going into the first of the year, but, uh, yeah, we're excited. Coppin says the merger expands both the grain and agronomy sides of the business. It allows us to go out in the marketplace and, and, uh, and uh, you know, maybe buy some more freight, uh, you know, at, at a you know, better levels, and, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty excited about it, and I, I think uh, our customers should be, too. I think it's I think uh, it's going to be a really good deal for us. Soybean and Corn Advisor President Michael Cordonier has cut his estimate for Brazilian soybean production. His latest forecast is at 153 million metric ton, down 2 million from his last estimate. USDA and Conab will be releasing their next updates in two weeks. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. After a strong finish to 2023, expectations at Peterson Farm Seed are higher heading into 2024. Here's more with Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Tyler Donaldson. After a great 2023, orders are piling in, according to Peterson Farm Seed lead agronomist Rick Swenson. We're higher than we have been before for orders, and uh, so that's always a good thing, you know, coming into January, you know, you want to kind of gauge where you're at, so that's, ex that's exciting. You know, it shows the lineup has come together, and everybody's really happy with it, and, you know, the beans the same way, not just the corn. Swenson goes on to say that crop health will be a strong focus heading into 2024. Just keeping an eye on if tar spot does make it up to our area. We did sneak by 23 again and didn't see it. You know, they've had it as close to St. Cloud. So really keeping an eye on that, having a lot of conversations about rootworm beetle. You know, we had a lot of them in 23, and I do. I think a lot of it was a function of the year rather than a real problem, especially on rotated acres. You know, we might have some problems, but again, I think even some of this rain doesn't hurt that and maybe have some winter mortality with some of those things, especially now if we do freeze down. So, you know, and then not forgetting about things like white mold we haven't seen in the last couple of years, just keeping an eye out, or even Goss's wilt, and still having those conversations and making sure we have the right varieties and hybrids for that. These are difficult times for dairy farmers with milk prices in a range of 15 to 16 bucks per hundred weight. Minnesota Milk Producers Association Executive Director Lucas Schulstrom is looking for help from the state and federal government. Minnesota Milk won in 2023 $4 million for dairy farmers for, for rebates. So Minnesota dairy farmers um, 
that have 500 or fewer cows will get a rebate if they sign up for the dairy margin coverage program. So that we have coming. We had that back in 2019. Um, we got half as much money so far this time, and there's been there've been rumors uh, that that could be happening again. So that's the that's the instant relief at the state level. Um, at the federal level, honestly, we we need a farm bill. That's the most important thing. Dairy margin coverage, which is similar to crop insurance, provides effective risk management for small dairy farms. Large dairies are able to buffer current losses through the economies of scale. Schulstrom says the biggest concern is for the dairies in the middle, with 300 to 1,000 cows. Checking in on markets, we are higher this morning. March Minneapolis wheat, four and a half better at 726 and a quarter. Chicago wheat for March, six and a quarter higher. KC wheat, five and three quarter better. March corn, a penny better, 477 and a half. March uh, gaining a half penny. Soybeans for January, a quarter cent higher at 1317. And the March contract down a quarter cent at 1320 and a quarter. On the farm calendar this morning, keep in mind next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, I'm sorry, Wednesday, Thursday of next week, the 3rd and 4th, is the Lake Region Extension Roundup. And that's, of course, in Devil's Lake, uh, hosted by NDSU Extension County offices around that uh, Devil's Lake area. Uh, they've got sessions really throughout the day and about 50 trade show booths as well. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.